got your copy of God's word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 through verse 28. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 through verse 28. We studied this afternoon on our day-to-day Bible study. I want to do a little preaching out of it for the next few weeks. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 28 through verse 28. Be verse 18 to verse 28. 18 to verse 28. Bible says, For on the one hand, the formal commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. And it is not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made, with, made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, who are the priests forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a greater, a better covenant. The former priests. Were many in number, because they were prevented by death from their continuing in office. But he holds that he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to say to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession. For them. For it is indeed fitting that we should have such priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law points men to their weak and their weaknesses to high peace. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. You may see the presence of the Lord. For a few moments. I want to talk tonight and Few subsequent messages from this thought. Somewhere to bury your hope. Somewhere to bury your hope. Brothers and sisters, hope is something that each generation looks to as a way of coping with the difficulties of living in a fallen world plagued with spiritual darkness. No matter what age you study, and no matter what period of time it may be, or the season that you may find yourself in the country, we all 
searching for something to put our hope in. Many people are disappointed now because they place their hope in people, in things, in positions, possessions, and power, only to be disappointed, left angry, and feeling empty. Hope is powerful. People long for hope. Politicians understand this because even back to 1992, William Jefferson Clinton became the President of the United States by playing for his hometown, Hope, Arkansas, stating he still believed in a place called Hope, appealing to people to hope in the principles and the platform of his campaign. Even more so, Barack Obama wrote a book prior to his campaign for the presidency. Soon after becoming a junior senator in the state of Illinois, called The Audacity of Hope in which he lays out his vision for what America could be. And then when he launched his presidential campaign, it was built upon the idea of hope, believing in change, and chanting the cry in the crowd, yes, we can. Recently, I've been reading his memoir, and he speaks very candidly about what he experienced as he was campaigning. He shares that as the crowds began to swell, as the campaign gained more momentum, it began to become quite uh, apparent that he would be the Democrat Party's nominee for the presidency. And there was a strong possibility, considering the plight that America found itself in, fighting an unpopular war, as well as facing a financial crisis, that it was probable that he could win the presidency. He said that something happened along the journey. He noticed that people stopped looking at him as a politician who just was able to give good speeches with nice cadence. He started to see that people were seeing him as an object of was not just talking to people about hope and asking them to put their hope or their confidence in the campaign to secure their vote, he recognized that something was changing, that the people began to see him as an object of hope, as a symbolic figure that embodied all of their aspirations 
of the fact that one day, sooner or later, he would let these trials of people down. Because he was human. And there was no way that he could uh, fulfill all of their hopes and aspirations that he did not have the capacity to be able to uh, live up to their uh, aspirations and to their uh, hopes and, and to what they thought he would be. That he knew he was flawed and broken. He knew that he was wrong to make mistakes. And he began to be fearful. What could the people do? If and when I let them down, Obama recognized that he was not someone that people could place and bury their whole need. But my brothers and sisters, even after eight years of his presidency, four years of political unrest, and in spite of whatever Biden might say tonight, I want you to know that there's no political party or personality that's strong enough for you and I to place our hope completely in. There's no campaign, there's no platform that, that, that has such certainty that, that we can place our hope in these things, and that's nothing that we can accumulate over time through wealth and possession and earthly power, and which we can find ourselves really secure and placing our hope in those temporal and transient things. But there is one in whom you and I cannot just place our hope in. There is one in whom we can bury our hope in. One in whom we can find security in his person, security in his power, security in his position. There is one. No matter what happens, no matter what season, no matter what the future may hold, no matter what you're facing tonight, no matter how dark your past may be, there is one in whom you and I can run to and bury our hopes in your The text says, He's Jesus, our great high priest. This author says this to a people who needed hope because they were experiencing persecution. And because of that persecution, they were almost tempted to go back to what they were comfortable doing. And he says, why well, go back and put your hope in a bad system? Why go back and put your hope in a broken people? Why go back and put your hope in something that is not strong enough and secure enough to bear the blood of your hopes? When God has, according to the text in verse number 19, has introduced a better hope. God has given us a better hope than what the world offers. A better hope than what your relationships offer. A better hope than what your connections offer. A better hope than what your career means they have. A better hope than what your education may offer you a better hope in Jesus Christ. So what to bear our hopes in? 
says, don't just go and place your hope there. Bury it there. Bury it there with the intention of never digging that up. Bury it there in the intention of saying, this is where it will always be. Bury it there so that you can see what the hymn writer said, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Dare not trust the sweetest friend holy lean on Jesus' day. Bury it there that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you go through, no matter what the season may be, whether it's sunshine or rain, maybe it's something or pain, no matter what it is, bury it there and know that if your hope is in Jesus, you are able to endure the storms of life. Jesus anchor that holds, he is able to give stability to your life. He then tells these people why they should bury their hope in Jesus. Tonight I just want to say one thing about why you and I should bury our hope in Jesus Christ. We should bury our hope in Jesus Christ because he has the capacity to be our need. Say again, we should bear our hope in Jesus Christ because he has the capacity to meet our needs. First, he's able to meet our needs because of his position. The Bible says that he is a high priest. The author of Hebrews has already spoken about this in chapter 4 when he says, we have not a high priest who's unable to empathize or sympathize with our weaknesses the one who's been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. So let us boldly approach the throne of grace and find hope and grace in our refinement. The one who's passed through the heavens. The Bible says to us tonight that because Jesus is our great high priest, he's in a position to meet our needs. The priesthood in the Old Testament had the responsibility of interceding for the people and bringing the people before God. And by bringing the people's needs before God through sacrificial systems, the people were able to maintain their relationship with God. And since we have Jesus Christ as our great high priest, who is not at the right hand of God, that we now have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. That Jesus Christ allows us to draw near to God. And I want to tell you, I don't care who you are, no matter what time you may have, no matter what you possess, the reality is your greatest need is to be near to God. Your greatest need is to be able to have a relationship with your Creator. And there's no way for us to have a relationship with our Creator than through Jesus Christ. He is still the way, the truth, and the life. No man calls the Father except by Him, and He has capacity to meet our needs because He meets our greatest need, which is to break us into relationship with our Creator through His act of redemption on the cross. What other position that anyone else person can hold, can
can't do that. Your pastor can't do that. Your mother and your father can't do that. Presidents and senators and congressmen can't do that. Governors and mayors and, and state legislators, they can't do that. Principals and superintendents and city councilors and, and entrepreneurs and millionaires and billionaires, they can't do that. All the Jesus can give you a relationship with God. We bear our hope in him because he is positioned to give us access to God. And we may have a relationship with God, but not only is this capacity to us relationship with God, but it's also the fact that He will always be in that capacity. Father problem was he recognized that the work and the platform and the agenda was so massive that there was no way he could complete it in eight years. There was no way that he could get everything that he had promised done in eight years. There were terms on his power. There were limits to uh, the time of his service. But the text says here, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus is a high priest who lives forever. Compared to the Old Testament system, it says there were many priests. And many priests were there because you had to have a plan of succession. Because one person was served as a priest, but when that person died, somebody else had to take his place. But Jesus is our high priest. And when we can bury our hope, because, my brothers and sisters, there is no succession plan with Jesus Christ. He sits on the throne. There's no need to say he still sits on the throne. Because he is saying, he still sits on the throne. And it implies that there may be a possibility that one day he will not sit on the throne. He does not still sit on the throne. He's just on the throne. And nobody can dethrone him. Nobody can impeach him. Nobody can succeed him. And so I can bear it by hope in Jesus Christ. Because even when others pass away, Jesus Christ ever lives forever. Permanently. The Bible says in verse number 24, he holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever. The writer of Hebrews says later on in chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. That no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what happens in this world, the one that we can be certain of is Christ still sits above the mighty that we are going through. He's still higher than our problems. And he's permanently a fixed Same one who helped grandma is what the old church was saying. Same one who brought granddad. Same one who brought mama and brought daddy. It's the same one that's going to bring you and I. And it's the same one that's going to bring those children that are left behind and going to bring the next generation. The same one he's for. So I place my hope in him because of the perpetuity of his service. He lives to serve to help. I'm God. 
my greatest need by putting me in a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, through his work on Calvary's cross. He also serves forever. That I can always count on him. I can always call on him. I can always depend on him. I can always trust in him. I can always believe in him. I can always turn to him. As they will say, he's on the main line. I can tell him what I want. His line is double busy. You can tell him what you want. And the fact that that is, my brother and sister, he's always there. So you can tell him what you want. But then the Bible says one other thing about his capacity. It's not just his position, it's not just the perpetuity, perpetuity of the service, but the last thing is the power of his sacrifice. The Bible says, I'm done tonight in verse number 25. Consequently, because of where he is, because of the position that he has, consequently, because he reigns forever and he serves into perpetuity, consequently, because of his position and because of his perpetuity of service, he has the power, my brothers and sisters, to save to the uttermost. Oh, my brothers and sisters, this is good news tonight. It says to us, my brothers and my sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus Christ has the capacity to save anybody. Y'all don't hear me tonight. It says that he has the capacity to save anybody. It does not matter whether you are feet hanging on cross, breathing your ass breath, or you are pimp standing on a street corner, or you are drunk in an alley, or you are prostitute on a corner. It does not matter where you are.
That's it. He doesn't need a boat. He doesn't need a lawsuit in a second lawsuit. He doesn't need a church to agree with him. He does not need your food to say he's saved. He doesn't need everybody in the community to recognize the whole thing that changed the whole. When he saves you, it's God. God will do that. When he saves you, that's it. You may still have some broken places in your life, but when he saves you, that's it. You may still do some things that are not completely alive in his will, but when he saves you, that's it. You may still walk left when he's telling you to go right, but when he saves you, that's it. You may still deal with remaining sin in your life and still have a weakness in your flesh before and never rises you, but when the Lord saves you, that's it. That's it. If he saves you, he can keep you saved. God will give it tonight. If he saves you, he can keep you saved. You're not saved tonight because of what you did. You're not saved because of how you stole. You're not saved because of how you preached. You're saved because the Lord saves you. And you're not saved tonight because of what you did after you got saved. You're not saved because you've been on the board. You're not saved because you got perfect attendance in church. You are still saved tonight because the Lord has kept you. He sanctified you. It is complete and done. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I'm glad that I can put my hope in. I put my hope in because he can save anybody. I put my hope in because he can save anybody. I put my hope in because he saved me from anything. And when I put my hope in the cross, when he does save me, he's able to keep his saints. That's why I'm saying at the end of verse 25 that he ever lives to make intercession for them. It means my brothers and my sisters that the preacher and Pastor John says in 1 John chapter 1 that I'm writing to you, my beloved children. So that you will not sin. But he says that if you do sin, we have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous one, and that he is the propitiation for our sin. Yeah, what it means, church, is I'm still saved tonight, not because I haven't done anything wrong since I walked out. I'm still saved tonight, not because I can point to my morality as a statement of godliness. I'm still saved tonight. Not because I've done everything uh, that the Lord uh, told me to do. Do I have a witness in But I'm still saved tonight uh, because uh, Jesus Christ uh, still lives uh, and he still uh, makes intercession for me. But when uh, I fall short of his glory, he is uh, my great high priest who turns to his daddy and shows uh, his daddy his wounded hands and shows his daddy his pierced side of the 
going to be seen but I'm looking above, I'm not looking down time, but I'm watching and I'm waiting, but I'm looking above, I'm not looking at mine, but I'm watching and I'm waiting, and I'm looking, I'm looking above, I'm sealed, I'm spirit, I'm Why don't you come? The doors of the church open. 